0: Masalea raped a woman named Kizi, And um, Kizi gave birth to a boy which they named George. Now, George, being the son of um, a slave, didn't have this relationship with his father even though he was um, a product of rape. Now, Masalia didn't um, establish any relationship with George, even though he saw him every day. George was always with his mom on the slave farm, with the, um, other, um, with, with the other slaves. Yet, Masalia didn't associate with him. So as a young man, George gave in to these um, frivolities like partying, drinking, gambling, and doing all sorts. Even when he got married to a woman who loved him so much, Matilda, George still went after other women. But just as George could lose it, he found his way and he regained focus. Now, at the point when he regained focus, Marcella tried to get back into his life george also tried to connect with his father but i can't really remember um, what happened um, next because it's no longer actually saw the movie but the point is in this present day in this current climate that we are in now we see a lot of young men just like george in the movie he was probably known as chicken george because find a way of making chickens fight and then you make money from it now we have a lot of young men out there who do not have a father's presence when we talk about the father's presence we are not talking about a man being in the house physically we are not talking about a man who puts um, food on the table and that's all we are not talking about a man who Does the regular things, and then we say, Oh, this man is present. There is more to that. For you to raise valuable children, for you to raise valuable sons, you must do some certain things. You must be a compass to these kids. It goes beyond you paying fees and doing all sorts. You must lay some key principles. One of which is a personal spiritual connection. Now this has nothing to do with places of worship. You could belong to any religion. But beyond that religion you must let your kids know that they must draw an inner strength from something beyond this world. This is beyond going to church every Sunday or praying five times a day or going to a worship center on Thursdays on Saturdays this is way more than that this is teaching your son that when troubles come and as a matter of fact troubles would come he must learn to connect his inner strength to something beyond this world that is the spiritual connection I'm talking about he must learn to draw strength Lots and lots of things will work against him, especially being a Nigerian boy, especially being a Nigerian man. A lot of things will work against him. So, you need to let your son know that he must draw strength from something beyond this world. That is a spiritual connection I'm not talking about. Secondly you must let your son know something about sexual orientation now men have proven to be the surest guide when it comes to the sexual orientation of their kids and i think this is backed up by research but i can't really remember but i saw it several weeks ago now a father should be pointing in the right direction as per the proper sexual orientation of his of his children okay but today we live in a world where kids are just confused there's a lot of information overload online they don't even know what to do there's a lot going on on tv but a father who is present will let his child his son know his own sexual orientation and how important that is Okay, because um, someone said um, that in the role of gender development, evidence points to fathers as having more important influence, not only in fostering male concepts in boys, but femininity in girls. And the writer went on to say, mothers have little influence on the masculinity of their sons. There is little wonder as to why we have various problems in our society. So, you see, because a lot of men are missing in homes today, women have struggled to guide these kids. I'm not saying men are not great leaders, but some, something is just missing. Something is just missing. So, a man who is present should be that missing piece. A man who is present should be that missing piece. Not just you being at home, dishing out instructions, Doing, um, being the boss of the house or stuff like that, no, it goes beyond that. This is you teaching your kids about the sexual orientation that you believe they should go. And the third one is the financial science. Now, we all know that in Nigeria, Africa, even the black community in America, poverty is strongly linked to domestic violence. You must teach your son to have a financial sense. Okay? You must teach him money management. Because money ma- management fosters a lot of troubles. Now, let me paint a picture of how this works. Okay? Now, a man who is broke would want to forget his problem, okay? In the name of trying to forget his problem, it would most likely take to life of alcoholism or even drugs. Before you know it, everything spirals out of control, okay? And when the man in the house spirals out of control, (laughs) then there's big trouble, there is problem and everything will most likely collapse in that house now the last one is independence ever since we were kids we were told to we talk to strangers blah 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 and do this yeah these were the things our parents told us for our own safety okay but i'm not sure our parents really taught us how to be really really independent okay Real independence comes from letting your child transit from the boyhood to manhood without you having to do everything for them. But today, we see a lot of fathers, we see a lot of parents following their sons everywhere. Oh, junior, do this. Oh, junior, let's go there. The child, now, in fact, some, some, some kids can't even feel something as basic as a form can't the parents have to be there where is that sense of independence as a child as a boy you must teach him that sense of independence He needs to be independent only an independent boy would develop into a healthy independent man i'm not saying is going to grow up into someone who wouldn't who, who um, ask for help or be shy to ask for help there is a clear difference when you raise a dependent child you are raising him to become a liability to people you are raising him to become a baggage for the next person you must raise highly independent children now the dependence of many boys on their fathers to get things done every day is just excessive doting. it is it is not love if you love your son as a father if you love your child as a father you must you must let them have that sense of independence okay and this is actually very common in african families especially um, in families where um, they've been really blessed With money, maybe in recent times, and then looking back at how they suffered. Oh, my son was not suffered. What I suffered? Yeah, that 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 that's the way it should be, ideally. But when you let that get into the way of raising a proper child, then there's a problem with that. There is an absolute need for your boy to be independent. Men must raise sons in a fair firm and loving environment because these these are the recipes for a great future as men as fathers as husbands it is our responsibility to reduce the number of chicken judges out there we owe it to them we can't afford to produce another chicken judge we must be responsible enough If you are responsible enough to have sex, and to have kids, then you must be responsible for your kids. Thank you very much for your time, you have a lovely day. Your son needs you to teach him 5 things, 5 key things, but not restricted to 5 things about to discuss number one your son needs you to teach him to have a collection it could be a collection of toys a collection of books a collection of farm implements or equipment as you would call it just a collection of something really really important to the family values okay Your son needs you to teach him to have a collection. Like my own dad now, he has a collection of books. He used to be a language teacher, Yoruba language to be specific. And he has this massive library of Yoruba books. And um, personally, I also have my own collection of books because I'm also a teacher. So I also have my own collection of books. So, And I'm going to be teaching my son to have a collection not necessarily books if he's not inclined towards books it could be something um, something he really likes so you must teach your son to have a collection so what does this do now when kids especially a boy have this sense of a collection it teaches them discipline it teaches them focus okay it teaches them this sense of attachment towards what they truly love, and then this engraves what I call value. They would attach value to whatever they have collected, and in a way, if they have a collection, there's something really, really important about it. For me, books is um, books are the things I love to read, and it's a way I make a living. So, let's say, for example, your son has a collection of wristwatches over time. He could just be um, a grandmaster of watches. He could be a consultant on watches. So, in a way, these things would come back to add value to his life. Secondly, your son needs you to teach him how to fight. I don't mean physical altercations, no. Your son needs you to teach him how to win, how to fight and win, not just to fight.
1: These
0: days, we have lots of t- TV shows that, that um, hardly put emphasis on um, w- winning. It's just about you participating and everybody gets a medal in the end. But we all know, if everyone competes at an event and everybody gets a medal, the competition is so useless and the first person, the person who wins is as miserable as the person who probably came last. So you must teach your son to win, you must teach him to fight and win. Now what does this do? They are going to get into the real world where they are not given things. Nobody will say, hey young man come, have this um, contract and then all run this package and then you get paid. No they would have to compete they would have to fight and they have to win that is a strange world where men are in we have to fight and win we just have to so you must teach your son to fight and win now number three your son needs you to teach him the true value of punishment this is not about being a bully or an abusive father no now, I'm sure most of us must have seen this scenario before. You go to um, a store, or a restaurant, or, or even the church, or a place of worship, then you see this badly behaved kid, and then the mom is like, hey, stop, 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 the boy doesn't stop. They send all warning notes, the boy doesn't stop, the father is there, they call the boy, da da da, he doesn't respond. Okay, and you are there wondering why why why, why, why are these guys I'm so out of control like why is this guy out out of, out out of control because he knows in in a way the little child is sending a message to the parent he knows his, he knows what is doing is wrong he wants them to act right but then he's trying to push them to the edge so kids know when they misbehave. At least most kids know when they misbehave. But they need you as the bigger person in the room to just stop that nonsense. So as a father, you need to be firm. You need to be fair. And you need to be... um, What was was the last one? I can't um, remember now. Okay? Now, punishments are not meant to be excessive. No. But they must know that whatever they do wrong they must pay for it because life choices come with consequences okay life choices come with consequences and at a very young age they must understand it they must get it because when they go out there and they make these choices it's gonna come back in, in, in double or triple folds so they must understand that whatever decision they make they would pay for it and also added to that when something is going wrong when a child is misbehaving you must hand over that punishment instantaneously so in a way correction is attached to that wrong behavior so it doesn't repeat itself or your crises are reduced number four your son needs you to Show understanding. Your son needs you to be a child again when dealing with him. Now, this might sound contradictory to the last point I made, but no. Now, when a child wants to be a child, this is where your emotional intelligence will come in. You should know when a child is just being a child, or when a boy is just trying to be a boy, or when he's way out of line, you need to draw him back in line. Okay, so your son needs you to teach him to be a boy when he's meant to be a boy and when he's growing up to become a man he needs to be there to to teach him how to become a man so you have to be there throughout the transition stage finally finally your son needs you to teach him how to trust wisely trust trust now This might be very difficult to teach because the way kids grow these days, they have this circle of friends, then they are there, and then one person betrays them, and then they fight and then they cut the bridge and that's all. As a father, you have to teach them that trust is a two-edged sword, okay, trust is a two-edged sword now you you you, how how, how do I put this now you might trust someone put trust in code you might trust someone and not really trust them now you know you're gonna need some people later in life so you can't keep burning bridges for everyone that betrays you this is you trusting wisely and then you must know what to trust people with there are some people you can trust them with money. You can't trust them with secrets. There are some people you can trust them with kids. You can't trust them with your wife. <laughs> there are some people you can trust them with your car. You can't trust them with your wristwatch. So you must teach your son how to trust wisely. Okay. So I hope this very few um, points would um, really go, go along with. In helping your child although there are lots lots of things your child really want to teach him and I'm talking from the point of view of a form tutor when you deal with young boys and they talk to you these are one of the things they say because if you think these kids are just there just playing video games all day and discussing girls and probably pass English and math you are, you are very wrong if you sit down with boys young boys teenage boys And they tell you what they feel their father should do. You really know that these kids really know what they want. And I've just shared with you five things. Five things I think your son would need you to do for them. Thank you very much.
2: God bless. Have you ever asked yourself what it takes to be a romantic man? What do I need to do? To be a good father? What do I need to do to be a good husband? Am I missing out something? Are there things I need to do or change? Are there ideas or notions I need to get rid of? How can I play my role as a man, as a father or husband effectively? I'm supposed to lay an example for my kids. I'm supposed to show them how it is done. One of the greatest challenges any boy could endure is trying to become a man without a father to show him how. How can a boy know what it looks like to behave like a man? To love like a man? Face lives, battles like a man. If the main man in his life has abandoned him, isn't showing him how to do it, how's the boy supposed to know how to do that? Too many men today were raised by fathers who didn't step up to their responsibilities. And no wonder we have a generation of men who feel lost. Nameless Not knowing how to be men They don't know how to have real relationships They don't know how to have healthy relationships With women With their children With just generally people around them They're they're clueless They lack courage They don't face life They don't know what it means to be romantic They don't know what it means to be a romantic man Romantic husband or romantic father. They have no idea. But the question now is, you know, what does it mean to be romantic? What does it really mean? The word romantic. As do we romance? Okay, and romance is about the small, everyday display of love. Not, the, not once in a while. Not when you like, but everyday consistency that is romance. Displays of love. Love. But what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's quite gentle, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, no, it's not selfish at all, it's selfless, it's not easily angered, yeah, you get angry, of course you have the right to, yeah, but not easily, not easily angered, It keeps no record of wrongs, no, forgives a lot, it's quite forgiving, love is forgiving. Love, those actions, those words, those deeds, those things you do. Without love, we're nothing. Without love, we are nothing. Learn to love your wife and children how they need to be loved. You can actually hurt a child, you know? If you don't show them the type of love they are able to receive, it can hurt a child, you know. If you don't understand how to show that child that you love him or you love her, you need to understand the love languages. There's a book by Gary Chapman, it's called The Five Love Languages. I feel every man, every man, ought to read that book outlines the five love languages. We have one of it, which is the words of affirmation. That's the first one. Words of affirmation. What does that mean when we say words of affirmation? It's not about what you say what you do. Yeah, some people say that. That is true, fine. But for those with this love language, trust me, they want to hear you say it. They want to hear you tell them how you feel. They connect deeply to their partner's words. It's all about recognition. It's all about telling them how much you appreciate them. It's all about telling them how much you love them. It's all about complimenting their efforts. It's all about telling them thank you for this. I love you. You're amazing. I appreciate the effort put into this. They want to hear you acknowledge them. As your husband, tell your wife she's pretty. As a father... Tell your son he's amazing. Tell your daughter she's beautiful. Tell her how important she is. Acts of service that's another one. Acts of service. For these set of people, the actions speak louder. They want you to show it, they want to see you show it. Actions speak louder for these set of people. little effort you put into making things easier for them. Some wives want their husbands to just you know get up one morning and just cook for everyone, tidy up the house, do the dishes, without being told to of course, you know just that little effort put into it would be greatly appreciated. Doing things you anticipate your partner wants or needs demonstrates how much you value and care for them of service They have another which is receiving gifts receiving gifts trust me it's not reserved for the greedy people no, the greedy people no it's not about the expensive Mercedes Gucci bags and all of that, no it's not about the diamond necklace no, it's not about that It's just about that simple, that simple act of picking that lovely, um, probably lovely dress you'd think you would look nice on your wife. Or that box of chocolate that you think your wife would love. Or that favorite wine your wife loves. Or you see something in a store. Oh, my son would really love this. Or I think this would look nice on my daughter. It doesn't have to be on a special occasion. No, it doesn't. It's a spontaneous act. Quality time. Quality time. That's the fourth one. Quality time oh I spend the whole day at home sometimes I'm always indoors yeah sometimes I just what do you do while you're indoors do they feel your presence does your wife feel that you're there your children can they feel your presence so many times people feel as though they spend countless hours with their partners or their families and don't understand why you know their partners or their people they still complain about oh you don't spend quality time with me or you don't something is missing that little distraction that hinders you from having that simple conversation that light conversation actively listening to them Asking them how they feel, talking about random things, being there for them. That is how they know you care. And the last one, the physical touch. Oh, some people love hugs. Some people are very big huggers, okay? They just want to be hugged, they just want to be held. Why practic- why 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 would you want to, you know, practice social distancing while walking with your wife? You can't hold your wife's hand, no? Well, probably hold your son's hand while taking a walk or your daughter's hand, no. You see, it's so difficult to do. Physical touch. Cuddle. Cuddle. At night. The big hug. Understand these love languages. That would help you function well as a man, that would help you function well as a father and a husband. But remember, learn to love your wife and children how they need to be loved, not how you want to love them, no? How they need to be loved. to challenge you today to be better men, to be better husbands and fathers. You need to understand that for you to be a romantic man, you have to be kind, you have to be loyal, you have to be understanding, you have to be emotionally stable, you have to let yourself feel, you have to be observant, you have to be a good listener, actively listening a romantic man has a heart, has a head, and a conscience, and he uses it. So, teach your son that being gentle isn't a sign of weakness. No, doesn't mean he's weak. Tell him that the world was built on love. So, he shouldn't be scared of it. No, he should embrace it, he should feel love. Life is really nothing without love and care. Give it to everyone. Trust me, you would not regret it. But don't expect it back. No, do not expect it back. You know why? Because it is a fear and not a deal. It is a fear and not a deal. Goodbye.
1: everyone, my name is Bolu Watife Oshino, and I'm glad to be on this podcast with my friend and brother, Femi Oyinloye. Uh, I've been saddled with the responsibility of speaking on the topic, having a purpose as a man. And without wasting any time, I'd like to delve into it. Um, I'm sure we all know what purpose means we have a vague idea or definition or interpretation of what purpose means to us but dictionary meaning one of the meanings it gives is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists that's the purpose for something the reason behind its creation or its invention or the reason why it is in existence now having a purpose as a man is a broad topic which I'm going to try to dissect as much as I can within the time I have my core reference is from Scripture it's from the Bible which I believe is the book that has been given to us inspired by the Holy Spirit for our modus operandi for the way we are to operate and live our lives. And we see from Scripture in Genesis, God made man and when God was making man, God had a purpose. So as man, if we are going to understand our purpose, we didn't create ourselves. Nobody created themselves. We are given life by God through our parents. So it's either of two things. One, you go to your dad or your mama or both of them and you ask, why, why did you guys make me? But I'm sure they won't have any very good answer for you because they themselves may even be struggling with why they exist. Because there's a higher power, you know, above them. And that's God. So ultimately, God who is our creator, remember that purpose is the reason for which something is created or done or for, for, for which it exists. God who made us is the person we go to and say you have made me what is the purpose for which you have made me any other purpose we pick up is self-imposed you as a human being if you you know the people who manufacture cars you make a car and the reason for making a car is to take you from point a to b in some sort of comfort now if a car decides and says you know what i've been made now my owner made me to take it from point A to B, but I'm not sure. I don't really like that. I just want to be putting in a lawn and I want to be cutting the grass there. Can a car a cut grass? Can a car mow the lawn? A car is not designed to mow the lawn. It will fail, woefully if it decides to take on that purpose. So finding purpose number one must be, and it is intrinsically found in the Creator. I need to establish that you cannot find purpose in isolation of your creator. Your creator is the originator of your purpose. He made you and there's a reason he made you. So finding your purpose as a man requires you to go to him, ask him. He will tell you why you are created and then you run with it. Okay, so we see God making man in Genesis. And in Genesis 1, God made the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. If you read the book of Genesis 1, that's part of what you see. And darkness covered the face of the earth. But God's spirit moved and he called out light from darkness. Now, there was already darkness before man was made. God came down and saw the darkness that covered the face of the earth and said, No, this is not good. I want to make something beautiful because everything God does is good. So he called out light and said, Called out light after the darkness, he dispelled darkness. And then he made man. And he gave man the instruction be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. Subdue the earth, take charge of the earth. Do you see the picture I'm painting? So the earth, formless, void, darkness, God comes, dispels darkness, calls forth light creates the the heavens the earth the trees the birds and it makes man and he says i have done this beautiful thing now i put you in charge have dominion the darkness i have dispelled keep it dispelled continue or maintain the work for which i have started that's one critical assignment god has given to man He has told man to have dominion on the earth. So number one, man's purpose is to dominate the earth. And that word dominate sounds a bit masculine. It sounds almost oppressive, but it's not. When God says dominate, it means enforce kingdom authority on the earth to keep darkness at bay. So yes, it is, Oppressing, but not oppressing to God and his creation. It is oppressing to every violation of God's counsel, which is light and goodness. God came, remember, there was darkness on the earth. He dispelled it because darkness is not good. It is not of God. It is evil. He dispelled darkness. He called out light. And he has made man and said, you, I make you in my image. My image is good. My image is light. And I put you here. This is your estate. Protect it. Make sure you dominate it. You should be in charge. Ensure that you enforce my kingdom principles. You enforce my kingdom mandate and agenda, which is light, which is goodness. Ensure that wickedness and evil don't become the order of the day. That's number one, purpose for man. Number two, Hosea 6.6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt of friends. Now, because of time, I may not, have, uh, I may not be able to link all these points, but I will give them in isolation. And then I, I believe as you ponder on it, we can see how we can link it you know, later on. Another purpose that God has created man for is to show mercy to other men which is now i'm linking to the initial point of dominating the earth and enforcing the kingdom principle god is love god is merciful the spirit of god is mercy and it is truth and the reason why god has made man in charge of the earth is so that he can be like god and judge and reign and rule his dictate and his verdict will be mercy and truth so when in Hosea says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than bond offerings, he's saying, what I want from you, my creation, is that you show mercy like I have shown mercy to mankind. I want you to show mercy to one another. Show them love. I am love. I am mercy. Let them see me through you. Be my sons. Be my voice, be my arms, be my legs on the earth which I have made for you. Let other men see that God is love when they see the way you act. Let other men see that God is merciful when they see the way you act. I'm not interested in your burnt offerings. I'm not interested in you being religious and killing goats and cows and in the you don't show love. I'm not interested in you bowing down to pray 25 times a day and then you get up from your prayer each time and you don't show mercy and you you treat your your neighbor like the enemy you don't show love you don't help the needy you don't you don't support the widow you don't support the fatherless you don't fight for justice you don't fight for truth you don't insist on righteousness you join the crowd to commit evil but you pray to me 25 times and God is saying that's not what I want the purpose I've made you for is to show mercy, to show righteousness, to show kindness, and to desist from evil. And then John 4.34, actually from 30 to 34, it says, Jesus was speaking, the disciples were wondering, "Ah, Master, are you not hungry? He's been busy, he's been teaching. And he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work." So for, for this podcast, the last point I'll be giving is, as a man... Jesus was the perfect example as man and God. And as a man, he told his disciples, my purpose, which is my food, my will, my, my, my ambition is to do the will of my father, of the person who sent me, which is what I started with. Our mission and mandate as men is to get God's original intent and run with it. And this will take its toll in every facet of our life as men in our health in our marriage in our family, in raising our children in dealing with a nuclear family in dealing with society in dealing with other men in dealing with the church our goal is to insist on righteousness our goal is to dominate every space God has given us for him not as bullies not as oppressors but as righteous judges we must be righteous we must judge and rule situations righteously that is our goal as men God has put us as many gods on the earth to enforce kingdom righteousness so in our in your home as a man in our homes as men with our wives and children it is our job to dominate the home for God what that means is we ensure that the home is run in accordance with the doctrine of christ if your wife comes up to you and gives you a lovely sounding idea which does not tally with god has said you lovingly let her know my dear this is not what god has said we should do therefore we will not do it that is what it means to dominate That's what it means to enforce kingdom authority. You are not oppressing her, you are not bullying her. You are lovingly opening her eyes to understand what the master has laid down for us. And this is what Adam failed to do in the garden, which was part of his failure as a man. The serpent lied to Eve. She bought into the idea of disobeying God and taking of the fruit which was forbidden. And then she brought it to her husband, Adam, and he did not enforce the original instruction of god god had told him do not eat of this she was not even yet created when god gave him the instruction but she brought it to him he should have said no my dear this is against god's will why would you do that that's not correct and call god into the matter and say god i'm sorry my wife did this but you know please forgive us and see how we can mend this situation but he he listened to her and disobeyed god now does not mean you should never listen to your wife no listen to your wife she's your helper But whatever help she's rendering must be in line with what God has said. So what it means to dominate is to enforce God's word. That's your job as a man. This will now be uniquely interpreted in your own unique situation at the office. When you are called to come and sign a document that you know is false, you are are told to lie about a figure so that you can give bribe to somebody, you enforce kingdom authority and say, no, I will not do that. This is not what God wants. As a man, I will not take part with this. That is what it means to enforce kingdom authority. That's what it means to have a purpose as a man. So your purpose as a man is wherever you find yourself to enforce kingdom authority. God bless you. One love.